welcome to Cinebabble episode 63. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, world-renowned infectious disease expert, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, how is your battle with the COVID pandemic going? I'm making it through, Ken. Um, currently, nothing is infected on me. I'm Excellent. noticing it out there in the world. I'm, it's, it's, it's out there. It's not it's in this there. room, luckily. I read that it's now an endemic not a pandemic. A pandemic apparently is when it's kind of out of control and people don't know what to do about it. Yeah. An endemic is just kind of when it's here to stay. Oh, okay. uh, Flu style. This is just life now. It's just life. It's just life. And uh, I think I've ranted about it before, but this week I I took my son to the urgent care Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know why I called it the urgent care. There's like seven in town. Uh, But when you walk in, there are signs everywhere uh-huh. that you have to wear a mask in this yeah. building. And still, only 50% of the people were wearing masks. And I'm like, just here we are again. At some point, mm-hmm. this group of people has decided that COVID or no, uh, like, I, I don't understand why we weren't wearing masks to the doctor's office when it was just flu and cold season. Yeah, uh, that's seems true. Seems kind of genius. So yeah. I sat there very comfortably in my mask. Especially because a lot of those people congregate in that place because yep. they're sick. Yeah, and- yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So I'm um, put a, put a full bubble around me. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, do you know how many times I have shared your bubble analogy now? <laughs> and I give you credit every time. I'm like, my friend Clint, he says that we all have our bubbles. As yeah. long as your bubble doesn't pop my bubble, then your bubble's okay. I probably and, stole uh, this from like, I don't know where you got it, thing. but, but people are just like this, this person sounds like the most uh, ingenious person. <laughs> I've ever encountered. Uh, this week, we actually have a bunch to talk about. I'm I'm blathering away. We're stuffed. We're stuffed. We are yeah. stuffed. We're so stuffed. We realized that uh, uh, instead of what you watching, uh, a lot of the movies that uh, that we both been watching are the same movies. So why not what just each watching? What what which, which <laughs> which we watching? What we watching uh, about? But we're actually going to cover uh, five movies in full today. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, George Miller's Three Thousand Years of Longings. Uh, this indie sci-fi movie that popped up out of nowhere, Vesper, um, the very controversial Blonde, which is now on Netflix, uh, the new Hellraiser reboot, and then our Cinetron pick, 1989's The Church. Do you need me to come over there and hit you in the back of the head? Because they rolled, your eyes rolled. Every time I say The Church. They're stuck back there now. I don't mean to... Uh, kind of telegraph where my <laughs> thoughts are on this movie. But wow, that was a movie. But before we get to these five movies, mm-hmm. uh, I got to say, I, I think I'm ready to pin some more love letters to Andor. Falling in love again with Andor. Okay, let's get our notepads out. <laughs> This, this series, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure I know where you're coming from, um, this series has been interesting because apparently uh, people love it in uh-huh. general, but it's not getting near the viewership that The Mandalorian and uh, uh, Boba Obi-Wan. Fett got and Obi-Wan and yeah. all these things. And that concerns me. Yeah, It concerns me because I always worry that a studio is going to kind of jump mm. in and uh, just say, you know what? The people must not like it because they're not watching. It's like, no, you're making something, I think, incredible. Clint, what do you what do you think now that it's two more episodes of Andor since last we talked? I love it each episode <sighs> more than I did the previous. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. uh, man, it's like everything. Like I said before, everything that I wanted Star Wars to yeah. be, man, there was an 
moment in this last episode where a mother and a son. <laughs> and, and yes, before you say this, okay. like this is not like we're not about to make fun of this. I know no. exactly what you're about to talk about. I was blown away by this. Go ahead. A mother and a son are just having breakfast together, eating cereal. Space cereal. Space cereal. Yeah. Having a normal conversation yeah. about just him finding a new line of work. Yeah. And he's irritated. You get everything from their relationship. She's yeah. overbearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This this it was it was one of the most real and grounded character moments in the Star Wars universe I've ever seen. It was so shocking to me yeah. and so pleasant yeah. to just have this like character moment. Yeah. And there was there was throughout the entire episode, but this one was just like normal life. And just seeing like bureaucrats like behind the scenes <laughs> like do their job and like and it's so pleasant to me and I, I love it so much. And there's just so many like just deep like like minute details that for me, like paint a picture of this world so much better than like a lot of the stuff that's been in all the other series. There was, I forget the name of it, but there was a comic series. It was like a four issue run, I believe, back in the day uh, when I was in high school or college. And it was just about the people on the streets, Mm, the normal people. And all this superhero stuff is happening in their world and in the skies of New York above them. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's completely from the perspective of everyday people who are dealing with the realities of a world with superheroes. Uh-huh. And this takes that that very simple idea and goes even further with it, where it's just, what about all those people that are just living lives and doing their daily clock in, clock out stuff? And it still has the rebellion, but even yeah. this small band of rebels is a very kind of makeshift, uh, you know, ragtag a bunch of people that really feel legitimately like they've come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. My absolute, I had two favorite moments in this very last episode that really, I keep saying it seals it for me, but... Um, I was sold from the first I, shot of the I, first episode. I continue to but be sold, like, but I'm then just, they yeah. do something else, like the serial thing, and I know. I'm like, this is incredible. I know. There's there's a very simple moment where they hear a TIE fighter coming, mm-hmm. and this TIE fighter clearly sees them and just buzzes low to the ground to mess with them. Yeah. And it's so terrifying, and it's so loud, and it's such a – this this – what used to feel like the tiny ship mm-hmm. in the space battles is suddenly just this oppressive, uh, frightening, uh, you know, presence uh, next to these six people that could just be blown off of of this field uh, with a couple of shots from this thing. Right, and beca- and it like gets into the mindset of like the empire yeah. in this probably like this hot shot pilot who's just yeah. being cocky and like uh, trying to scare the locals yeah. and like doesn't really know that they're the rebellion yeah. and it's just like really gets into like just in that small moment like paints a broader picture of like the the empire and the the rebellion it's yeah. it's really fascinating well and forget all of the old star wars handbooks where it's like oh the tie fighters sound like that because of their ion engines or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, this this recontextualizes it in two seconds. No, they sound this way because if you're just a guy on the ground standing on some planet and you hear that sound coming, it's it's like some sort of crazy war bird out of hell uh-huh. just screeching across the horizon. I yeah. loved it. And then the second thing, there is this moment where this group of rebels uh, run into 
what happens in every show ever, and it's conflict. Mm-hmm. And in every show ever, the conflict extends beyond that episode, and it's there to artificially increase the yep. drama. Yeah. But instead, no. <laughs> like normal people, uh-huh. uh, Cassian just gets fed up, blurts out the truth. Yep. These people communicate themselves into a better relationship in, I swear, two minutes. Yep, yep. But it still feels completely organic. It it was this moment of, you know, uh, there, here comes the, the cliche, uh, you know, dysfunction within yep. the group. Nope, they just totally worked it out, not to perfection, but... They worked it into a functional solution. And I love the moments coming up to that where you can see him calculating, like, what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? To keep hiding who I am and why I'm here or to just let it out and maybe this mission will be more successful. And it's it's so well done. Yeah, the the blanks, you can see him doing the calculation of uh, them not knowing the answer to these questions Mm -hmm. is posing more of a danger. right than the information. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a very calculated, I'm just going to bark this information out and, you know, deal with it because otherwise you're going to shoot me in the back. Um, There's another thing in that, I believe it's that scene where it was like after that conflict uh, is resolved somewhat and they hear another ship coming and they and they see it's not a TIE fighter, but it's another one. And they're uh-huh. like, oh, it's just that it's going that way. But it's some of the best like like foreground, background, yeah. like visual effects that I've ever seen where it actually looks like, you know, like in normal life, you would see yep. a plane in the distance. Like the atmosphere is perfect yep. on it. Yep. And I was just like, man, that's so well done and feels makes it feel so real. And it locks it to their perspective. Yeah. We don't get the zoom shot on the no, ship. No, no, it's don't just get the in the background. Fly. It's the ship from this the Star Wars universe, yep. but it's in natural space. It, I mean, it's just like so many cool things like that. After five episodes, I'm really beginning to realize that I think the thing that's working, not the only thing, but one of the big structural things that's working for this is if this was done in the style of the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, or Obi-Wan, everything that's happened over this five episodes would have probably been crunched down into two. Yeah. Uh, if mm-hmm. not a little further. Yep. I love, I mean, just... I am I am eating up how much time they're taking mm-hmm. just to let you see who these people are because then I'm invested then yep. I care about what's going to happen I care about uh you know this uh this imperial or he's not even an imperial officer he's mm-hmm. kind of a, a contracted or a contractual yeah um private employee, mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually care that he got fired. I care what's going to happen next. Yeah, I want to know, what's he like, gonna do now? is he going to go back into the empire mm-hmm. because of his family connection through his mom, which he doesn't seem too happy about? Is he going to end up on the side of the rebels? Is he going to clearly... Go rogue in some way sure. or something? I don't know. Yeah. Clearly, he's going to play an important part because mm-hmm. we're not just going to sit with a guy. And that's part of what makes that serial scene work. Mm-hmm. You are being given so much time with this this guy and his mom that you know he's a main character. And so even when there's not anything, quote unquote, happening in this moment, you know that you're getting important character information that is going to feed into wherever his arc goes or wherever his future lies. Yeah, I, I just... I. I've never seen Star Wars take the time to do this. Well, also, like, I always felt with, like, The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and 
um, those that the episodes I felt like were always felt rushed. Yeah. And there was like the episodes weren't long enough to try to get across what they were trying to do. And then yeah. like it kind of did a disservice to the story. And these episodes are the, roughly the same length. And I don't feel that at all. No. No, I feel like, and I also don't feel like they're trying to get to a place by the end of the episode where each episode has this climactic, you know, exciting Mm -hmm. moment. This last episode didn't need it. And I didn't feel any pressure from anything on screen that they felt like they needed it. No, it felt like a logical place for the episode to end, but it wasn't, it didn't build to an unnecessary like climax just for the like, the viewers like enjoyment of like, Oh, yeah. we're, we're on a cliffhanger. What's going to happen now? It's just felt like a necessary place for Okay. This is where they are now. This is where we're going to start on the next yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I just continue to love this series from uh, casting to cinematography, to music, to just, this has all the pieces yeah. and they're just all falling into place. And I think I'm way past cautious optimism. Mm -hmm. I'm just loving the show and optimistic about it. I can't imagine that in the back half of this season, they're suddenly going to become different writers and different pacing and they're going to fumble this. Yeah, yeah. It it just, it feels so confident and Mm -hmm. so assured and it it understands what it is and what it wants to be. I, I just... I don't foresee this coming off the rails. Well, I mean, it feels like they've already like set a blueprint in place for the season like that. It's like, okay, they're going to go do the heist and it just is going to um, kind of just fall in place and go along that path. And not in a way that it's not going to be exciting and interesting and not have surprises, but it just feels like they have a very logical uh, story in the future for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I just thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, If if you're not watching Andor, come on, man. Uh, This, this is the stuff that, uh, that injects some quality and what previously was just kind of quantity and, and flashing lights. This still has some great Star Wars touches, but they're they're used in such a way that I think they have more punch when they show up. Yeah. Um, there's so much more punch to that one TIE fighter and that distant engineer ship than seeing a fleet of these things mm-hmm. rolling through the atmosphere. I just, ah, uh, I love it. Me love too. It. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. it. Love did it. you like my theme song? I did. Oh. I did. It was cute. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I always, your my my favorite theme songs of yours, the ones that make me laugh the most, are the ones that are so literal, yeah, and on yeah. the nose, like intentionally. Yeah, I <laughs> I love those. I went for absolute cheese. <laughs> All right, well, let's start into our movies for today, and uh, we're gonna pick up with three thousand years of longing. Uh, before we dive into that, as always, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com, or you can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. Send us some questions send us some messages uh you know we always have good fun with them give us a review yeah like yeah. a positive review yeah yeah like it would be men great men. if you went and found uh find somebody to listen uh and add a review that helps us to to kind of get picked up a little better when people are searching for things so uh right to george miller uh he of mad max fury road mm-hmm. fame uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, while attending a conference in Istanbul, Dr. Benny, played by Tilda Swinton, happens to encounter Jin, played by, uh, I lost his name there. Idris Elba. Uh, Idris Elba. Uh, and uh, this this Jin offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. However, uh, she is a bit stubborn 
and it presents two problems. First, she doubts that he's real. And second, because she's a scholar of story and mythology, she knows all the cautionary tales involving wishes and worries that he is tricking her. Clint, what did you think of 3,000 Years of Longing? Well, I um, went, in this, went into this like cautiously optimistic because it's George Miller. But first off, like when I saw the trailers, I wasn't super excited about it. Like mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't get a, a, a read on it. And like the effects were kind of looking a little silly to me. And I I just didn't really know what to make of it. The trailers are confusing. The trailers like, are really even, confusing. I went and even watched it after having watched the movie to see if, okay, in retrospect, it's actually a good trailer. I still think it's a poor trailer to represent this film. But Yeah, I think they were trying to sell it in some way that yeah. like for a mass audience and it's not that thing. No. Um, but man, I really like this movie. Like I was really surprised how much I liked about it, liked it and how much I connected to it. Uh, I think it's my favorite uh, Idris Elba performance. Um, I, I enjoyed him before, but like this one, I really connected to his character and just what he did with um, portraying him. And I mean, I always loved Tilda Swinton. I mean, I named my new cat after her, so <laughs> that's got to say something. Um, Did you give her the full name, like Tilda Swinton, or is it just Tilda? <laughs> Tilda Kitten. <laughs> um, but I honestly, like, this is probably in my list for the year. Like, I don't know if it would be in the top 10, but it's like in my top 20 for sure. Um, I'll have to see where I fall with that, but... I really enjoyed this. I actually really like the effects by the end of it. I think the it had a very um had a cartoonish feel to it, but it really like fits with the storytelling. Um and I it was just really um satisfying seeing kind of the life journey of this gen and the the 3000 years. I think that was portrayed really well. So what did you think of it? I I was surprisingly disarmed by this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I was very pleasantly surprised and completely taken with the the style and the pacing and the tone, none of which I expected from the trailer. Yeah, I didn't either. The trailer really leans into this. This is the guy who did Fury Road. And then it's this kind of scattershot uh, series of images that, that gave you the sense that this was going to be a very manic, almost uh-huh. like Elvis uh, yeah, kind yeah. of movie. Yeah. And it's not no, that no, at no, all. No. Uh, this almost feels more Wes Anderson yeah, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it really takes its time. I love the structure of it. Me too. I love how uh, she's so struggling against the idea of making these wishes. And through her struggle and him trying to convince her to make these wishes, he's weaving these stories. Mm-hmm. And it's really just this relationship drama between these two people, one supernatural, one not. And they each have stories that they're sharing kind of pieces at a time. Think of a very fairy tale version of of kind of Hannibal and Clarice uh-huh. in Science of the Lambs where it's kind of quid pro quo. A little bit of information, a little bit of information. I thought each of the stories were excellent. Me too. I yeah. loved how they were shot. Mm-hmm. I loved that they were – the effects suddenly made sense. Yep. It's, it's a very storybook, fanciful – Yeah visual flair it's not meant to no. uh look photoreal it's it's meant to evoke uh you know storybooks and old tapestries mm-hmm. and things like this but um 
I I found her fascinating. I wanted to know more as she went about uh, her history and what brought about her cynicism and loneliness and these things. Mm-hmm. I loved his history. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was a great series of uh, not twists and turns, but just subversions of what yeah. to expect from kind of the the genie and the person who rubs the lamp mm-hmm. relationship. And by the end, honestly, I I felt like this had more to say. Uh, of of value than most movies that I've I've seen for sure um, yeah without being preachy or no. or anything like that it just it really had this very universal kind of exploration of of love and loneliness and relationship and and uh, yeah there's the, a very the sweet between people very sweet melancholy to mm-hmm. it especially by the end and where their relationship goes and there's a lot of like power in how it ends. Yeah. I don't know. There's, I don't know to me anyway. And I, um, I don't know. I think there's sometimes when a, a movie is trying to explore the idea of storytelling and especially like how through time it changes in what we kind of I, I like the whole idea in this about like, um, we used to like believe in gods and now we've put it all in science and like that we, we don't really need that anymore. Mm-hmm. That idea, like, I feel like this really portrayed that in a very interesting kind of believable way. And the idea of storytelling and what it means to us, I, I sometimes when it's just trying to, I don't know, I feel this explored it in a very interesting way and had something to say about it. And th- that really um, was interesting to me. I I think the only time I struggled, because this this really captured me early, mm. was the first 10 minutes. Yeah. There are uh, two encounters. Uh, the, the entire time, it really raises the question of whether uh, this woman just has uh, something uh, happening with her brain mm-hmm. that scientifically is producing these uh, these delusions. And I think it kind of keeps through that through – to the end. I know where I fall on that as, yeah. as far as where where I interpret the movie, but early on there's there's these two encounters with these supernatural beings or hallucinations or whatever they are. Yeah. And in those moments it worried me because it was it was strange and I felt it it, it was kind of corny. Mm-hmm. But after the movie I went back and watched it and then I was fine with I it. I watched this all over again too because yep. I um thought Jenny would enjoy it mm-hmm. and it didn't bother me at all yep. the second time. And it, it especially it made a lot more sense yep. and um in the context of everything else it yep. was fine. Yeah. And so I only say that to uh you know if you check out this movie uh don't don't be frightened off uh, by no. the first couple of minutes if if you're having a hard time getting your bearings. It it really locks into place quickly and and for me it just it grabbed a hold of me. This does not have the best reviews. There, there are some divisive reviews on this mm-hmm. one, and and some people just don't click with it. Um, and I, I can, I can see that. I could see where the style of this movie could lose some people, but um, I, I just, I was taken with it. Yeah, I, I think also going into, I still had that armor up from the um, the trailer. Yeah, that I was still settling into the style of it and not quite sure of what was ahead of me. So yeah, the second time it didn't bother me at all. Um, but I really, I did really enjoy like each progression of storytelling and I really enjoyed the slight, like 
like surreal imagery that's throughout it, like really disarm me. And uh, I thought it was visually cap, like captivating. Um, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. Yeah, this, it really, like I said, you said it best. It was the first words out of your mouth. It, it surprised me. Yeah. Um, this is not what I was expecting. Uh, do you remember Tarsim's The Fall? Mm-hmm. That, this reminded me a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, where it, it had that same kind of lyrical storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had that same dance between reality, hallucination, imagination, magic. Um, uh, and I, I, I felt a lot of similarities there, but... Um, can I ask you as a, maybe it, we'll say this is a spoiler potentially, but sure. where did you fall on it by the end? Supernatural. You, you I did too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. See, I almost always do though. Yeah. I mean, if I want even, it to be. Even uh, True Detective season yeah. one. Yeah. Very clearly they're, they're trying by the end of that season to make it not supernatural, yeah. but my head canon, I'm like, nope, this is, I, I just. I always prefer when there's a touch of magic Me to too. it, uh, if if there's got to be a choice. And there's like interactions with him outside of her or herself that kind yes. of like skilled it for me by the end yeah. with like the neighbors and yeah. I I think I think George Miller puts his yeah kind of take on it. I think he still leaves a little bit of room yeah for it just to be this sweet but deranged <laughs> academic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I felt like no, this is. This is an, an actual supernatural love story for the ages kind mm-hmm. of thing. So. Even if she kind of like in some way willed it into existence or that something. That was really interesting too. And yeah. that's too much to really even start to unpack without having, you know, for people who haven't seen the movie, you would have no idea what we're talking right. about. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really interesting, you know, where does free will uh, stop and where does love begin and where does chemicals enter into it? Where does wishing mm-hmm. enter into it? Where does desire into it enter into it? Uh, that was something that because you're dealing with a gin and wishes, I felt like they were able to explore something and actually put it into a framework mm-hmm. that I don't know how you it exists. Yeah. And and that's a part of life and love, but I don't know how you would explore it in a story right. that directly without this kind of of tale kind mm. of uh presenting it. So yeah. I yeah. I was really happy that I loved it as much as I did. I'm honestly I'm really happy. I I was worried that I this is one of those movies that I was just smitten with mm. and you were going to come in and just what are you talking about? <laughs> this is garbage. Well, I, I felt that way at the first like 10 minutes yeah. honestly yeah. and then it really won me over and I actually like really moved me by the end of it. Same. Uh, so our next movie, uh, Clint actually sent me a text, uh, and I had I had seen it float up on Amazon, and I, I think it's a five or six dollar rental. Mm-hmm. And uh, watched the trailer for it. I'm like, okay, this 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 looks decent, but hadn't really set my mind to watching it until Clint said, you know, hey, you should you should check out Vesper on Amazon. So I had nothing to do that night. I was like, all right, let's do this. So <laughs> Vesper is this 2022 little indie sci-fi drama. Um, and it's from uh, Bruno Samper and Christina. I'm not even going to try to say her last Buzitty? name. Buzit? Buzit? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's... I think uh, she's like Lithuanian, I believe. Really? Because that's where it, it was shot uh, for a majority of it, I think. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's the plot. Struggling to survive with her father after the collapse of Earth's ecosystem, 13-year-old Vesper must use her wits, strengths, and biohacking abilities to fight for the future. That is about as generic a <laughs> plot description 
as you could possibly tack onto this movie. It almost feels like a sci-fi Ow. channel like series yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, Clint, I, I know it was better than that. What did you think of Vesper? Well, this was one that my brother, he turned me onto the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt the same way as you did. I was like, that looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but then I saw it popped up and I was, it was $5 rental. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it could be worth it. It could be worth it. And honestly, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, I'm going to just say it right off the bat. Like, it's almost there with prospects. Almost. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. It, it's it, it almost, almost. Like, this would be a very almost. good... Like, I need to rewatch it. I only yeah, watched it yeah. once. Okay. Did you watch it twice? I watched it twice. Okay. Second time I watched it with Levi. Did you like it more the second time? Yes. Okay. So I, I need to do that because it might help if I did, especially just like knowing the the how the story goes and the feel of it. And um, especially early on that first half hour, yeah. when you watch it the second time, that first half hour has so much more I bet. to it. It's yeah. so much richer. Um, but I was like so pleasantly surprised with like the world building and the effects. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really great job with a minimal budget of doing the digital effects. I know they, they shot very practically and it was very, it was real um, locations and everything. And they just did that thing, like the really smart thing where you just like uh, enhance it by doing the alien like yep. plants and stuff to an actual environment. So you have something to base your, what your um, kind of fantastic things are um, like on something real. It really helps yeah. grounding it. And uh, the, I didn't expect the, the kind of like Cronenberg world. Yeah. Like the the bioengineering stuff was so fascinating. The jugs was so wow. fascinating. Um, and, but it's like this really pleasant, just like this girl's like coming of age story in mm-hmm. this very sci-fi Cronenberg-y world. And um I, I really liked it. I I think there's little things about it like that I, I feel like maybe would be um, better for me if I watched again. I think I need to do that. So, yeah, what did you think about it? I mean. Uh, a, a lot of the same things. This, yeah. uh, you know, one of my absolute favorite movies of all time is uh, Nausicaa mm-hmm. by uh, yeah, Miyazaki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw the trailer, uh, even Levi beside me kept saying, oh, this is live action Nausicaa. <laughs> and, and it's not. No, yeah. But you can tell it has a lot of those same sensibilities. Yeah. 100% guarantee you uh, that was a childhood favorite of these directors. Right. There are elements of that there. Uh, more homage, but but it's really this. I love anytime sci-fi deals with this line, this very blurry line between organic and machine, mm-hmm. um, and and this really blurs it further. Yeah, and I love that. I love the world that it presents. I love the the strange, uh, just creatures and plant life, and none of it feels like it. It's so far out there; it couldn't be in a far flung future dystopian Yeah, Earth. you can see like the influence for all of the things like the little yeah. the alien like like plants and like creatures that are living underground yeah. and like you see like oh that was like this thing that got bioengineered into yeah. this thing and like through the I don't know years it's like probably changed even more and that was yeah. cool. And and I I really enjoyed that just because it's it's one of those things where that that's really good word world building to mm-hmm. me. Prospect did this and back to Mad Max Fury Road yeah. did that where it doesn't feel the need to explain how things came about or why things are. 
It just needs, in, in any movie, you need a sense that all these things exist aesthetically in the same reality. Yeah. And you need to believe that when element A is next to element A or B, mm -hmm. they belong in the same world. Right. And then just give me enough on the screen to make me first wonder uh -huh. what I'm looking at. And second, as I'm watching characters interact with, whether it's machinery or environment or all this stuff, just give me enough context clues visually that I can start to understand how things work. Right. And this movie, right from the beginning, when the girl comes in and she has this floating what you think is a, an AI robot. Yeah. But really, it's her father is bedridden and he's it's hooked up to this kind yeah. of Cronenbergian bio machinery that puts his consciousness yeah. into this little robot that goes around and helps her. Mm -hmm. Wonderful idea. I know. And they don't explain a lick nope. of it. It's all presented visually. Yep. It's just the camera going from this robot to this device to this wire to this father yeah and then having a, a conversation when the thing is recharging so you understand oh this is actually it's not an ai of her father this is actually her father speaking through this sort of thing and they yeah. do that with everything mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm sure even the second time i was watching it i was picking up on a lot more background details mm -hmm. that that just sort of opened up that world and there were all kinds of little stories and things that you could find i'm sure there's even more than than i noticed but yeah. i i love that i love when a world feels like i could go exploring in it mm -hmm. and it's almost it's it's just borderline frustrating that because it's a movie <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah. you know you have to go where the story goes yeah, yeah. and um you know, sometimes I just wanted to run off and is there is there a bonus feature here? I, know, I like, can kind of glide I through this world. I want to go explore these yeah. giant like orb things yep. out in the fields. Like what were they exactly yep. at one point and yep. like so fascinating. But like you're right, like those little things where they don't tell you and they're showing you like with her father and the, the little droid thing. Um, it made me like recontextualize like the whole first beginning of the movie yep. where she's wandering around and I'm thinking, oh, she has this robot friend. And then to find out like, oh, that's her dad and he's yep. exploring with her too and like it kind of makes their relationship even sweeter like you can tell like he was a good dad and like he was just put in this horrible situation and she's now in charge of taking care of him and um the struggle of that oh and just little character details he's yeah. so patient with her yeah and how difficult that would be to be that patient with your child mm -hmm. when you effectively can't do anything right this is your 13 year old daughter but you can't grab her by the arm and stop her. You can't get her to do what you don't want her to do. Right. All you can do is sort of follow, observe, and maybe help a little bit. Yeah, and hope it, like, works out for the best in what she's doing. Yeah. And uh, I, I really found the relationship between her and her uncle fascinating. Mm -hmm. And they did this, did the really great thing that, like, like um, Prospect did, too, where you get these really great like character actors who maybe mm -hmm. don't do like aren't the name brand of a, of a movie but are very great actors to fill these smaller roles to make like have the acting completely covered and yeah. you don't have to worry about that and like she was great like I don't know if she's done too much other than this like I don't think so um 
Although and, she looks like, I kept thinking the whole time, I'm like, this must be a Smith McPhee. She looks so <laughs> much like Cody Smith. I just, uh, and she, she's not, unless no. she's like much older and married, because uh, she has a totally different name, but I was convinced. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Marson mm-hmm. is the uh, the uncle. Um, yeah, which, I, yeah, you see him pop up in things all the time, yeah. just as these small yeah. parts, and uh but he had a he played that like sinister, but like kind of like what, yeah. yeah is he manipulating her? Is he is like is he borderline hinting at molestation here? Well, it's not molestation. He, he wants like he's just kind of like restarting the like it's like he kind wants of part her to of this be a world. Breeder. Yeah. But there's also that he, just the way he rubs at her cheek or he talks to her, you get uh, it. Just it just it made it feel like it, that's part of this world now. Yeah, yeah. like that that we're doing. Like he might enjoy it a little bit too much, but like this is what humanity has to do now to continue on, especially in this situation where there's yeah. no readily available food. Um, but the, he has a little bit too much enjoyment in it. Um, but it's just like, it, and that's another thing. It's not being shown or really said it's being hinted at, which makes it more fascinating and like paints this more interesting picture of this world that we're being thrown into. Um, I just, I found that stuff all very interesting. And it, it, it often would turn left when I was expecting it to go right. Yeah. The chase through the forest where there are these boys chasing her mm-hmm. on the uncle's orders. Yeah. And this is, oh, okay, this is that typical, uh, he's turned on her, he's going to kill her, and she's going to get away. She doesn't get away. Wait, what's what's about to happen? Yeah. And, oh, this is a whole other thing in this world. Yep. And it, it opens up this other storyline where you realize – what she was actually running from, mm-hmm. and that it just it was it was something that just kept intriguing me and and giving me little bits of that world. Well, also like the main storyline of this movie, I think it did a really good job of being a very focused point of like these the the character the main characters that we're um like being told the story of. Yeah. Um, their story, but also it does a really good job at hinting of the outside world and what is happening out there and not in a way of showing again. It's just like, we're going to present you with some new characters who are withholding some information that throughout the course of this time, we're going to get more of, and it's going to just give you more of what's happening out there. And, uh, it's, um, I think it's really well done in that way. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those movies. It would not surprise me if, there is in a couple of years another one. Uh, it certainly leaves that story open. At the same time, it's fine being a one-off. It, yeah. it doesn't need more story. Sort of like Prospect was the, ended the same way where if they suddenly came up and they had another good idea and there was another one of these, I'd be the first in line. Mm-hmm. But I don't need it. No. Uh, and I'd almost be nervous if they did announce a second yeah, one yeah. because then it's just like, oh, you gotta, you had something. Are you sure you want to try again? <laughs> Yeah, well, this also has a, it feels like it has a pretty like a strong like ending point to yeah. it. Um, these directors, they have another movie um, that came out, I don't know, maybe like 2016 or something that I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but it looks really fascinating too. I don't know if it got it quite as good as scores as this did, but it like, it almost, with how people talked about it, it almost made it feel like it would be something we would like. Hmm. Um 
in in the same vein as this. But it's another like weird sci-fi movie. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name, but it's, it might be worth talking. about. Is that about. the Vanishing Wave? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll look up the trailer for it. it. Like at some point, it looks it looks really fascinating. A neuron transfer scientist experiments with the thoughts of a comatose young woman. Hmm. It looks surreal and weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on this, I'll. I think it's worth checking out. So yeah. Um, all right. So so far we're two for two. We're in agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three thousand years long. Pleasant surprise. Vesper. Pleasant surprise. Recommend both of them. Which brings us to Netflix's Blonde. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this has been getting all the press for at least six months. Everybody's been talking about this movie, and everybody's been talking about this NC-17 Marilyn Monroe biopic starring Ana de Armas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what makes it NC-17, and why is it so controversial? It's already based on a controversial book. It's not actually a biopic as much as it is a... Reimagining? Of sure. A, a, what, what would you call that? A, a bio-reimagining? Yeah, uh, I mean... I guess. Um, similar to... I, I don't want to draw too many similarities yeah. here, but similar to how Spencer handled Princess Diana. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is from director Andrew Dominic, who the internet hates now. And <laughs> it's basically just Enemy a... number one now. Yeah, yeah. A look at the rise to fame and the epic demise of actress Marilyn Monroe, one of the biggest stars in the world. Now, I did a little bit of reading, uh, quite a lot of reading, before talking about this or before this, this episode. Yeah. And the one thing that really stuck out to me is that Andrew Dominic wanted this entire movie to be about the fact that she, uh, Marilyn Monroe, historically eventually commits suicide. Uh-huh. That was his, uh, his, his kind of focal point and his anchor point for everything in this movie, he uh-huh. says. So with that said, what uh, what'd you, what'd you think of the two-hour and 46-minute blonde, Clint? Okay, I want to start off with positives. Okay. Things that I liked about this movie. Okay. Um. Honestly, I thought this was shot beautifully, mm-hmm. and I really like the uh, like the different film stocks that were used to kind of represent these different states of mind of mm-hmm. her, and like the different formats, like aspect ratios. Uh, the switching was interesting to me, and it it retained consistency yeah. there. It almost made a language yeah. uh, that that I started to get used to, and when it would be in in. Uh, this stock or this uh, yeah. aspect or like black ratio. And white okay, or, I know this is yeah. a flashback or this is about to be her childhood. or Yeah. You know. um, also, I really enjoyed the um, Warren Ellis Nick Cave score mm-hmm. um, from Nick Cave fame. Um, it actually, one of the songs, and it's very uh, based on some of the music from Nick Cave's latest album. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs is actually in the album, in the movie. Um, so I, I that was anchoring me to this movie a little bit just because I'm familiar with the music and it was adding an interesting mood to it. So those are my positives for this oh, movie. Oh man, that's <laughs> I I was just about to make the joke like number two is already the score. <laughs> this is not going well. Okay, Anna de Armas was uh, she did a relatively good job. She yeah acts her butt off. Yeah, um, you know, pardon the pun, but just she she really. Man, she's she's going for Oscar gold as best she can here. Yeah, I, I feel like they should just give it to her because she w- went through this. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like this is one of those movies where we're really watching. I, I don't think she was taking advantage of or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that. Just she so sinks into this part and the abuse of this part that I it cannot imagine. Felt- 
to me, it almost a, felt like she was like because she just like I don't know. It felt that way. I just know from interviews. Yeah, she's yeah. very she's very overly complimentary of how well she was handled on yeah, set I'm and sure. how much control she had. And it just to watch it, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like one of those movies yeah. from the seventies that you're about to read some articles about. Yeah, that are going to really change your mind. Well, and she's a risk taking actor. Like she, I mean, is not scared of doing nudity in films. Like most of her movies, she'll just it doesn't. It's not a problem, but it's just like the the whole conversation of this movie and what it's saying and doing yeah. it just like you can't not think about it well before we get to the bad let okay. me just ask you that simple question because that's that's from uh two different people that listen to us yeah uh sent in messages about do you think blonde should have been rated nc-17 um i for the nudity no i i think it was it felt kind of naturalistic in just a person's body it's it's not a, it i i always i think things with like absolute gore and stuff yeah. is worse than just seeing a naked person that's i don't care even uh, but, then i i will say there's there's not as much nudity in this no, movie no. as anyone thinks i think some of this stuff towards the end especially with jfk yeah was pushing the line, even though they do it relatively like they don't actually show, no, but, but man, they hit it at so, that's as much as possible. Suggestion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. negatives, I felt this was completely exhausting. Yeah. Um, Three hours exhausting and too. Unnecessarily brutal on a like just like just to show. This woman, like, going through hell for three hours, um, I just wish, like, I know it wasn't supposed to be a biography, but, like, I just wanted her to be painted in, like, somewhat of a three-dimensional way, like Spencer did. Like, yeah. like Spencer, I think, did pulled this idea off so much better. Yeah. yeah. In painting, like, you can tell she was going through a lot mentally and, like, physically, but you get a real sense of the person. And this, I felt like it just really just laid in on like the torment of this woman and being taken advantage of by like the whole system of Hollywood at the time and men in general. And doesn't really, it doesn't like, there's a couple scenes here and there, like they're painting like, oh, she's an intelligent person who really cares about her craft of acting, but not enough. Yeah, Spencer and Blonde are both about women who are underestimated but but in Spencer it is a woman who she's struggling through all of these different uh embarrassments and abuse and and mental traumas but she's constantly finding ways and the movie is showing ways that through sheer strength of will yeah she's overcoming and that's why I mentioned that quote back at the uh -huh. not quote that piece of information at the beginning because he is so focused on the fact that this woman commits suicide. Yeah. I really that that suddenly made sense and I didn't read that till after I watched the movie, but yeah, this this is made like a film where you're trying to show people why somebody would commit suicide, uh -huh. why somebody would kill themselves. And to that end, bravo man. Yeah, you you wanted me to kill myself by the end of this thing. It was just <laughs> oh my goodness. But go on. What else is uh um, I, I mean, that was basically it. Like, I just feel like it was unnecessarily brutal towards this woman. Yeah. 
And like I, I, I read a bunch of reviews and stuff this for this too, like calling it completely sexist and like anti-abortion and um, all all these other things. And I can see what they're saying, but it, it. I mean, just like I don't understand the point of just showing the pure torment of this person and um, and getting towards the point where she kills herself. Like I can understand like. There's, I feel like in that story, there, there should be more like ebb and flow of this person and joy and, and torment. Like it they should just, have done more than hint at her intelligence. Yeah. There are these moments almost where they have to remind you she's not stupid. And so a half an hour will go by and then suddenly she'll have this very small scene where somebody is surprised by her intellect. Mm-hmm. But that's not present any other time. This does not feel like somebody with abandonment issues. This feels like somebody who is so far off the rails mm-hmm. and so far into the reality of parts she's playing or things like that that I never understood or or had a point where I could say, this is why she keeps subjecting herself to this. Yeah. Because the brutality wasn't just uh, things that were done against her will. There were some of those things. Yeah. But for the most part, the brutality is is things she keeps throwing herself right back into. Mm-hmm. And I never felt like the movie gave me a reason why this woman keeps throwing herself back into shark-infested waters. Right. Um, other than well, uh, pure fame, well, it that doesn't seem or, like that's what she's responding to. That or like the the little scenes where they're showing that she deeply cares about acting and the in the craft of it, and like where she's tr- she really wants to go to New York and learn about it and get deeper into it. And like, but they never like, they have those couple of scenes, but it's never like enough to show that like she cares so much about this, like that she's willing to put her, subject herself to this. But even that, she talks about the craft, but then when you get to those scenes, you don't get the sense that this is a person who is just incredible at putting together performance. Except for that one. Except for the one. And then the rest of the time, it feels like she's... B- believing that she is that person and she's having this psychological breakdown in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't line up with the, uh, you know, if she had said she has a compulsion and then she's doing these things and you realize she's working out her demons. Okay. Or if it's craft and then she's just so expert at at delivering these things that people are confusing her for legitimately having these instabilities. But I never, I never felt like the movie was able to tell me an idea of who she actually was. Yeah, yeah. Even, even the character in the movie, I don't feel like. I felt like there were six different versions, right, of of this character in this movie that I was watching, and I could not find the thing that tied them all together. Yeah. Well, I mean, also just the. I feel like if you wanted, there's hints at like kind of a Lynchian feel to it, especially mm-hmm. like her moments where she's just like really falling into madness and like and like into dreams and and insanity and if you're i feel like if it wanted to push it into a much more like surreal we're going to go way surreal with it like uh, like a mulholland drive style um and explore it i mean spencer did this to a degree like it, it gets really surreal and weird in that movie um, and she's seeing ghosts and and all that. And if it went a little harder into that, and it's really diving into this woman's descent into madness, 
like even outside of the way she's being treated by men in the the system of Hollywood, it's just like a psychological break, and it's and it pushes her towards this place where she needs to commit suicide. She feels she needs to. That might have been more interesting if it was really leaning into that. I, but I feel like it it didn't go either direction. It didn't want to be a biography. It didn't want to be like this surreal, like surreal piece that's not a true biography. It's just this like artfully done take on this person's life. And uh, I don't know. It just didn't go in any of those directions, like in a meaningful way for me. Yeah, I there there wasn't. She she's an excellent actress. I did not enjoy this movie, and and not even from the direction of like an Aronofsky movie or or something like that, where it's brutal to watch. But I still understand some, it, and yeah. I'm getting something out of it, and I understand the story being told. Mother, a super brutal movie, yeah, very but hard it's... to watch. But I get what he's doing, and I feel this intense focus. And mother. Yeah. And and this felt brutal, but without that that focus or that intent. And I just at, at no point did I find myself happy that that I was watching this thing. It was it was more of a curiosity because so much has been written about it. It was like a uh, you know, okay, let's let's see what this thing's got. And right. Uh, especially for a movie that long. It really, end of the day, I was just like, this was just indulgent brutality. And yeah. I can't quite understand why. I, there's a story. If what you want to tell is the story of this woman's suicide, there is a story there to tell, I think, uh, even fictionalized, that would have really made me feel for her. But, th yeah, they don't give you those, like, hu like human moments where you really connect to her as, yeah. like, a kind of normal person. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, cause it's just always her at this high level of being like of anxiety mm. that you like, you don't get a grasp of her as like, as Marilyn yeah. or as um, Norma Jean, like other than like when she's, and even that, the, the opening to the movie, it almost felt comical and mm. like over the top about like her mother and how poorly she was being treated and um oh man and the end of this movie like where she where the she gets the, the 10 minute <laughs> the letter that she yeah. get like that was just like yeah if if it's not like i can understand if like this was like this was her life like completely based on truth like all this horrible stuff happened to her and we're exploring it but then, like somebody you just made it up like it just feels like you're just it's just one more thing on top of a bunch of other things. Yeah, for and you we knew just it was want, coming the whole time. It almost feels like you just want to see this woman tortured. Yeah, like yeah. it's some kind of like a fetish, fetish or something. And I don't, I it, yeah, I don't know. No, I. This is not one I would recommend. It's not one that that's that's enjoyable. It just it's rough, and I appreciate the artistry of it. I, I. I question the the NC-17. I, I get where that comes from, but if you're thinking this is packed with nudity, it's not that kind of NC-17. Um, no, no, no. There's, you know, a couple of topless scenes, and then there's some really suggestive stuff that doesn't show anything, but I think that's where it pushed them. That JFK scene, I think, is what probably pushed that over. I'd say um, so, yeah. 
and it's uncomfortable to watch, even though it doesn't actually show any nudity. It's it's that's 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 the scene I I'd rather not. Uh, well, especially have in my where brain. it plays in the rest of the movie, yeah. it just felt like it was so much after so like such a scene after so much of seeing this woman just go through hell. Yeah, and it was just like, oh my gosh, now we're gonna do this and like just focus on this for okay. Oh man, Clint. Speaking of hell. No. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's get off this. Even talking about blonde is just depressing uh, me all over again. Uh, let's go to let's talk about Vesper or, or uh, Andor for a couple more minutes. Get out of it or Hellraiser, <laughs> 2022's <laughs> reboot of Hellraiser. This is from director David Bruckner. Uh, it's based on the original story by Clive Barker, uh, and it's it's a reboot of the original Hellraiser film and its sequels. Although I was very surprised because of all the talk of this being a reboot. I thought that this would be the first movies in the book's story, uh-huh. uh, this family and what they're dealing with. This is this is a new invention. This is a completely new story. It just um, kind of goes back, particularly with the Cenobites, it, it's a little more faithful mm. to the, the original story than the movies were. Uh, but a young woman must confront the sadistic supernatural forces behind an enigm- enigmatic mm-hmm. puzzle box responsible for her brother's disappearance. Uh, this features uh, Jamie Clayton as the priest, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, Clive Barker always hated, was nicknamed Pinhead. He hated that name. I, yeah, um, I never knew that that was the intended name. Yeah. Yeah, and so the intended name is the Hell Priest, but they mm. call her the priest in this. Uh, and in the original book, um, the the priest is is sort of this androgynous, um, maybe male, maybe female. It has a female voice, and mm-hmm. so uh, that's a lot of what got buzz about this new reboot. Clint, um, you had watched the original Hell- Hellraiser on my recommendation. You did not enjoy the original Hellraiser. Not correct? as much. Like I mean, not as much as yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I remember watching this thing with John and mm-hmm. watched at different times, and this was up there with like Nightmare on Elm Street and my nostalgia house. So uh, with all that in mind, not really being a giant fan of the original Clint, what did you think of this new Hellraiser from David Bruckner? Well, like you said, I went I went in with that in mind. Yeah. That I mean, the original Hellraiser I had tried so many times and would always get to a certain point and like fall asleep. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is maybe not for me. Um, then I, we reviewed it and mm-hmm. um, finally watched it all. And so I had that in mind going to this. Like, I, I don't know how much I care for this series. Like, it wasn't my thing. Um, and and especially with like n- like modern remakes of things, mm-hmm. it's very iffy going into them like what are they going to do like i didn't really care for the um like the nightmare on elm street or the the remake yeah that they the remake did with, of that uh, oh i forget his name like any of those yeah, yeah. um and the, like the modern halloweens have not been my thing um but i actually enjoyed this movie like uh I wouldn't say like there, I still have issues with it, Mm -hmm. but it like addressed a lot of the issues I had with the original. Like there's much more of a like through line throughout the story. And like, there feels like the plot is much more, a lot tighter and like it's propelling me through. Like, I feel like the original, it's just like stalls out in this house 
And it really like abandons the whole idea of like the Cenobites and like the, the, the puzzle box in the original. Like it's just like about this guy in the attic trying to come back to the living. And this, I feel like it, it really like put that stuff center focus, like the, the Cenobites and the, the yeah. box. And there was a story around them. And like, I like the, um, idea of like this box has these multi-level dimensions that it's like like and you have to for each one it needs to take a new life to get on to the next and then you're promised this thing at the end i found that all really fascinating i think the only thing that really didn't like um deter me from the movie or like make me like it less but it was just it kind of felt like more of a modern horror movie in the way Mm -hmm. like it addressed the characters the main characters and it was a little bit like uh, lost a little bit of the fun of it because how the characters are, I mean, the woman's dealing, the main character's dealing with addiction and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it just felt a little over dramatic. And I wish it was maybe just like this normal family who got wrapped up in this rather than this family that already has all this baggage. Um, but overall, I was impressed by that. It actually did practical effects with it and anything CG like looked good. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised by it. So what do you think? I, I was happy with it. Um, it in in some ways it was better than what I was expecting, mm-hmm. and in some ways it disappointed me. Yeah, uh, I, I really had a hard time adjusting to this brand new story and these brand new characters yeah. because I had taken it as a reboot, and this could essentially just be a, a sequel, uh, a reboot of the franchise rather uh-huh. than a remake or anything like that. But I. There were different times where I felt it a little one twist too many yeah. uh, kind of thing with the human characters. And there were a couple of times where I felt it, it fell in this early 2000s yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of uh, subgenre of horror movies where it's just, here's your group of friends yeah. and you know most of them are going to die and Especially here's our main character. They're like and, these 20-somethings yeah. or like early 30s. And it it's just like, had a, yeah. a dated feel, but not in a throwback to the original 80s. Yeah. It, it, it just had a, a dated uh, series of conventions. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, I I loved what they did with the Cenobites. I felt like the Cenobites were far more uh, frightening mm-hmm. and unsettling than in the original movie. I I think it was easier to follow what was happening with the box. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, unpacking that mystery and the idea of it has these different forms and it's these different stages. Yep. And now you're going to get to a place where you can make one of these wishes. Yeah. And I, I, I liked where, where they went with all of that. And I, I like this struggle of, I didn't get cut with this thing, but it needs a sacrifice. Right. And so yeah. now what do I do about that? Uh-huh. Do I cut somebody else with this thing, knowing they're going to die, but I have to do that to get my brother back. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I, I think a little bit of a, a tighter script. And, um, I, I think the, the lead actress, I think she's very capable. Yeah. I thought she was good. Yeah. I, yeah. I just wish she had a kind of a, a more, uh, three dimensional character to work with. Uh-huh. It was a little one note to me, especially the, the drug problem, which is sort of came and went as needed. Well, I mean, yeah. they, they did a relatively good job of like that she's kind of on the other side yeah. of it, but still like has trust issues with her family. Um, I, I kind of bought into that why she was dealing with it relatively yeah. well and trying to get back on her feet. Um, but I just, I, I, all my issues were the exact same things you were saying. Oh. It was just mainly around these group of friends and the characters felt a little generic and, 
Um, I, I really enjoyed the world and the designs. I yeah. love the idea of just uh, normal walls and things opening up mm -hmm. uh, as reality sort of bends. There's a great scene where they are fleeing this house in a van. Yeah, that was and cool. It, it's tracking them because they have somebody that's been cut by the box inside the van uh -huh. and the street keeps opening up uh -huh. and the Cenobites keep coming out of the street, almost like, oh man, the van got past us. <laughs> and then they're just like, well, we're magic. So let's just grab that let's van. Let's magic the van. And so that that whole scene of magicking the van yeah. and extending, and I loved all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the front going out oh, and like they're getting farther away. Like so that, that was surreal cool. and yeah. And like a like a legitimate nightmare. Yeah. And I enjoyed those visuals. And I thought almost all of that stuff, maybe there's a shot here, a shot there that that doesn't quite work so well. Um, but but for the most part, I enjoyed that stuff. And there's something weird, uh, I almost said weirdly satisfying that would make me sound sick. But just like the the machinery that's winding the guy's that was nerves. So, yeah, that was so and fascinating. Yeah. I, it's not that I enjoy watching somebody suffering, but when you're dealing with these creatures that cause suffering, the extent to which they go to design these devices of suffering, I I found that yeah. the designs really interesting. Me too. Like that was something I feel like I had not seen or thought yeah. about that idea, and I loved like the little touches, even on the Cenobites of the gold, and like it's just like this yeah. very beautiful machine. But made for the purpose of just horror and terror and brutality is very interesting. Now, did you ever end up watching Hellraiser 2, uh, the old movies? No. Okay, so the the Leviathan god, the uh -huh. uh, I don't even know what you call that shape. Um, yeah. That that looks like a cursor in a video game, <laughs> but <laughs> but I I love that idea. Yeah. I love the idea of going in the the exact opposite direction of a Lovecraftian dark creature. It's all it's it's this geometric, very mm -hmm. alien entity that doesn't even have a face or yeah. features. And they brought that from Hellraiser too. And I I really enjoyed mm. that they brought in some of those elements because uh -huh. going back to the originals, there's a lot in Hellraiser too. I like more than Hellraiser 1 because yeah. of that kind of play with with dimensions. Uh-huh. Um, whereas, you know, Hellraiser 1, it's just a lot of the lights go out, there's a weird spinning thing, and then somebody in leather shows up. Right. Um, the, the second one has a lot more, let's go into this other world. Yeah. And this, this had a good mix of that. Um, if you've never seen a Hellraiser, uh, especially if you're you're young and new to horror, this is probably going to be... Uh, you know, a whole other experience. I will say that one thing that like I missed from like the original one and this one just maybe a product of the time was this one's pretty slick, yeah. like visually and just the character wiser. Like, like uh, I said, the characters are probably my biggest issue with this, but the original like kind of feels dirty and seedy. And there's like this underlying like sexuality to it that I feel like this is missing. Like there should have been a little bit, it should have been a little bit grimier in some way. And I don't know if that would be some way of tying that into one of the characters or whatever, or this group. Um, or I was reading another, like somebody's review of it. And it's just like, well, at this point in time, like we're a little bit more used to that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and being in movies. And so it wouldn't have the same shock as like at the mm -hmm. time when Hellraiser, the original came out. Yeah. So it might, it just, maybe we wouldn't even really cared. Maybe. Um, well, in, but, in the original Hellraiser movie, it, it's an uncle and 
he starts to get weird with his niece once yeah. he's undead. And yeah. it, it there's got like a whole incestuous angle. And so it just felt ickier. Yeah. I think inherently uh, than this one makes room to. Um, but so, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I didn't enjoy it more than I thought. I, I think I was probably more disappointed than than I thought I would be. But that's because for some reason, I really put high expectations on this. Oh, okay. Um, I think if I didn't put as high expectations, I I would have been fine with it. It's it's a good movie. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging it. It's just I went into it as somebody who grew up with the original movies. And I, I think I just... Um, I just I put too much into this one coming up, too much excitement into yeah. it. I think, and I'm holding that to the level of modern remakes. I yeah. think it's a better uh, one of the better modern remakes of like one of these classic where it yeah, actually sure. brings new elements to it, and the through line of the story, I don't know, makes sense, and I think it adds something new to it. Um, David Bruckner, he did the Nighthouse, which I think we talked about. Yep. And the the ritual, which I think we both really enjoyed the really ritual. Really enjoyed the ritual. Yeah. And um, I mean there's there's a steady hand behind this. Yeah. I you know, I again it's it's a well-made movie. Um I guess there 50% of this movie just has some new ideas and I really appreciated what they were doing. I wish the other 50% would have felt new and and like a reinvention yeah. as much as the other half. I think did. we're in the same place, but I'm yeah. coming from the I like I this did not is a really, step up from the original. Because I didn't you. really care yeah. about it. Yeah. And yeah, so <laughs> no, I got you. Um, so that brings us to our Cinetron pick, 1989's The Church. But you look like you have something to say, Clint. Were we gonna talk about the bullet train? Oh, <gasps> I forgot about Bullet Train. <laughs> oh, man, you guys are getting a bonus sixth movie. Let's go ahead and do Bullet Train. We're already this deep into movies. We're this deep in. We'll push the church back. I completely forgot we had watched Bullet Train. So many movies to watch. Uh, let's talk Bullet Train. Bullet Train is about a train that goes real fast. <laughs> you can tell I don't have anything pulled up for this one. About a train that goes real fast and a bunch of hitmen hitmen happen to be on this train trying to steal a briefcase trying to steal a briefcase yeah and uh it's got brad pitt it, it, the main character is brad pitt this actually has a huge cast but yeah. brad pitt is is clearly the main character and if you remember uh office space and how the main character in office space gets hypnotized and not really caring mm -hmm. it's kind of what you get from brad pitt here is this <laughs> uh is this contractor who he's gone through a lot of therapy yeah and he's just in a place where He's very mellow and he he's like a about, spiritual uh, awakening, a, a yeah. very spiritual awakening. And he's having to go through uh, this this bevy of hitmen and this ultra violent uh, action film based on a comic book, I believe. Clint, what did you think of Bullet Train? Well, you made me watch this. So I uh -oh, made you. Yeah, you're you like, didn't have a good time with this, Clint, did you? Wait. So well, uh -oh. that's why I'm saying I needed to get us to talk about this okay. because this is one you forced on me. <laughs> You rented okay. it, and you're like, hey, it's up there. You picked Watch up it. the box, and you solved the puzzle, man, okay? I didn't make you do anything. You did. You did, and I blame you. you stabbed yourself. Go on. <laughs> um, So, yeah, this is David Le Leitch, who Leitch, did uh, Deadpool 2. Deadpool. He just did two? Did yeah, he did. Uh, Tim Miller did Deadpool 1. Oh, okay. 
And uh, he was on, I think he was the stunt coordinator or something, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. That but then he directed Deadpool 2. Okay. Um, so it's it's got a bit of that sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. There's snarkiness mm-hmm. of Deadpool. It's got a little bit of, if you remember that string of movies like Smoke and Aces. Oh, that yeah. That came out in the day. Uh-huh. Where it's just, let's throw a bunch Early of actors 2000s. into ugly criminal roles and throw them yeah. at each other. Yeah. Um, and so I... I could not stand this movie for a good half of this movie. Really? Okay. Um, the first half? First half of this movie. Oh, I, you're a diesel, Clint. <laughs> you're a diesel. It's, I thought, Please do I not you'd like, be a use Percy. this movie against me. <laughs> thought you'd be a person. One of the stupidest elements of this movie. <laughs> but it had this, like, there's a, so much, like, there's a level of snark mm-hmm. that I cannot deal with. Where it doesn't feel like like this is good writing to me, and mm-hmm. it, it, like it just feels like <laughs> an asshole behind the pen <laughs> who is putting it all down, and mm-hmm. I don't find it like fascinating or interesting. But I'd say about the half. I don't. I can't even tell you exactly what scene, what was happening. But there's some point where I fall into the rhythm of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I won't say I like like this movie, but I started getting into the humor of it. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I enjoyed this movie somewhat. There was like some characters I liked. I really actually I think that this is my favorite Aaron Taylor Johnson's like mm-hmm. role. Like usually I feel like he's the biggest like milk toast blank slate mm-hmm. of a person that I cannot deal like like just don't care about him in any movie but this like actually enjoyed him in and him and his brother's storyline was uh, I think probably one of my favorite things in it um honestly I didn't like Brad Pitt in this movie really okay. I felt like they were writing this movie for Ryan Reynolds and then they gave it to Brad Pitt and he was filling the role um, but up to like some point halfway, I started enjoying him more. Anyway, by the end of this movie, I thought I was okay. <laughs> what did you think? So let me preface this with saying, <laughs> do you remember Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, you made me watch Hobbs and Shaw. Do you remember why I made you watch Hobbs and Shaw? You're sadistic. No, because I really liked it. There is this sliver of big, dumb, fun movie, and it's yeah. very difficult to hit this narrow little path that that just hits me the right way, and I love it. And I knew you would hate Hobbs and Shaw, but I loved it, and I, unashamedly. Yeah. I've watched this movie twice already. <laughs> oh, you're sadistic towards yourself. No, I had a blast watching this by myself. I laughed the whole time. Then uh, Levi watched it with me. He's laughing the whole uh-huh. time. And and I think part of it might be experiential because Levi loved Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay. I mean, was at three years old addicted to Thomas the Tank Engine. We had all those stupid mm-hmm. little trains. So when that's the little quirk of the one hitman, he keeps talking about Thomas the Tank Engine uh, characters. Uh-huh. I'm rolling because that's that's my fatherhood. You know, uh-huh. that is I know that world. I know exactly what he's talking about when he's just like, "You're diesel." I, I knew. Uh, so it just, for some reason, joke after joke, setup after setup, it just hit my, my world. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I had a good time the whole time. It is probably too long. It is mm-hmm. too crowded. It is too many characters and too many subplots and too many really, really 
convenient conveniences. Yeah. yeah. All on one train. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just felt like one of those movies where a whole bunch of famous people like this director. And so they all signed on to this thing, plus half a dozen cameos. Mm -hmm. And they all just had a blast uh, acting like idiots together in this hyper-violent, uh, whatever you want to call that, break dance of fast-moving train. I don't know. I yeah. had a good time, Clint. I'm glad. Yeah, I, you're, I th you're not. I can see it on your face. No, I am. Like, and I'm telling you, by like some point, it like I started yeah. clicking into it, but like I went in with my like I, I thought the trailers looked like garbage. So like, <laughs> and I do think this movie looks pretty bad. Yeah, like the train looks terrible. Yeah, there there's there's some effects in this that are, and there's great. just like this level of like modern like sharp filmmaking to it where mm. it's just like I can't. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired of Clint when just did an old man face. I'm so I'm so tired of so tired. of when like they flash the big words on the screen yeah. of like oh we're in a new location we're in boom whatever like you know it's yeah. got a big bang of sound and every it's like, character name every character the name father, this is yeah and, ladybug yeah I yeah. cannot yeah. deal with that I'm it's sorry. annoying it's sorry. stupid stop it sorry. I love it I love <laughs> you it. love it I, I really do really this stuff just I don't know why. I don't know why. It should not. Like, objectively, that is bad filmmaking, and it is dated filmmaking, and make something new. Subjectively, though, that's my wheelhouse. I This is my <laughs> big, dumb fun that I just – you know how sometimes you just want a bowl of cereal? Like in Star Wars, Clint, you know how in Star Wars sometimes you just want a bowl of cereal because your mom is just lecturing you about your job choices? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See what I'm doing here? Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> I don't know. I like Bullet Train. It was. It was fun. It's dumb. It's so dumb. It's really dumb. It's real dumb. Yeah. But it's real fun. If yeah. you like real dumb, real fun, and it's, it's definitely big and bloody, and um, I, I, you know, I totally understand why most people hate this movie. <laughs> Computes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I won't say I hated it. I just said it took a very long time for you me. Said to, I forced you to watch it. I don't. I don't live at your house. I don't make you watch anything. By you renting or buying something and then being like, "Hey, <laughs> this is there. We're gonna watch it and talk about it." You gotta watch the thing. I didn't say no. Yeah. I just said it's implied. It's not. Yeah. I said uh, bullet train. I got it on Amazon. If you want to watch it, you said watch it. We're talking about it. No That's question. Like no exceptions. Yeah. I don't believe you. I don't. I don't care. I don't believe you. And in fact, I'm going back through my texts right now. <laughs> uh, that's about the church. Oh, yeah. How do we miss the opportunity to revisit Conan the Barbarian for our third review last last episode? Yeah. We did Barbarian, Barbarians. It would have been a good. Conan the Barbarian. Yep. Uh, while I'm looking for this. You don't have there to. I made it all up. Why are you talking? There talk it is. By the way, I have Bullet Train on Amazon. It's the kind of intentionally big, dumb fun I haven't seen in a while. I dug it for the most part. Not sure if you'll find it fun or grating. End of text. It's all implied. It's subtext. It's all under the, under I the even surface. Said you might find it grating. Anyway, that, that means brings us. You're watching this. We're talking about it. <laughs> Tell you what we watched, 1989's The Church. Mm -hmm. The Church is from director uh, Michelle Sauvé, and this was produced by um, 
what's his face? Dario Argento, Dario Argento. is his story. Is it? A story okay, by so Dario okay. and him and somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here is the plot as far as it tells me on this page, although I will tell you right up front. I didn't follow this plot very well, Clint. <laughs> An old Gothic cathedral built over a mass grave, I followed that much so far, develops strange powers and traps a number of people inside a number of people. I'll come back to that. Just some number. With ghosts from a 12th century massacre who are seeking to resurrect an ancient demon from the bowels of the earth. This is the first movie in a long time that I found that does not have an HD transfer. I had to watch this in standard definition. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. But uh, Clint, what do you think of 1989's The Church? So let's go back a little bit. <clears throat> and you're talking about you love the, these the big dumb fun movies like yeah. the, like fun. the the bullet train fun for me fun these movies are my big dumb fun <laughs> i love the cheesy bad 80s movies and these okay. are my way of escaping and having fun okay like really like i honestly really enjoyed this movie <laughs> I and I recognize I'm going to probably recognize all the things that you think are bad about it, mm -hmm. and I agree. But I think those things are fun and bring me joy. But I think all the things are bad about this movie. Clint. But there's so much fun stuff about it too. Is there? Yeah. Ah, uh, this this movie. This it starts off with these um, crusading knights uh -huh. just like straight out of like um an eighth the, graders history project video that You're right or um uh the oh, why Excalibur the old Excalibur that, movie it reminded me of that that or um mighty Monty Python mm -hmm. yeah so it had that and I recognize this is silly it looks silly but it's fun. And Man, I had fun with this movie. This movie is so dubbed in English. Yeah. It's, so and it adds to the enjoyment. <laughs> terribly dubbed in English. I don't encourage anyone to watch this movie. I encourage you to search I for it on Amazon. I 100% encourage you to watch this I movie. I encourage you to search for it on Amazon and play the trailer. It will not show you the trailer. It will show you a one-minute scene from the movie. Uh, just so you can get an idea of the level of dubbing and English voice work <laughs> to this dubbing is incredible. Uh, no, I, like I get this is cheesy fun for like some this people. would be a movie that we watched in John's basement. Hundred percent. That's why I was. And we would have had fun eating funnel cakes <laughs> and having real conversations with people because the junk John would rent in that basement. But it was fun. Uh, I'm sure you guys had a good time, but uh, I just, I don't You're know. You're too busy watching Jeopardy or whatever. Yeah, this this movie takes a, a turn halfway through where it just decides to randomly and suddenly introduce 30 different people. Yeah. Just so they can get trapped in this church and killed in, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, I... I, I don't have the words. I genuinely <laughs> don't have the words for this movie. One of my favorite moments in it, and like, I agree. I'm agreeing with you that I, it's not a good movie, but I find the enjoyment in I'm that. Glad. And um, there's a scene 
where the, our main character, she's at home alone mm-hmm. and something is breaking into the house yep. and she starts freaking out and she's like, wants to, like, she locks herself in the bathroom and she gets on the yep. phone with the cops. Yep. She gets on the phone with the cops. She's like, someone's breaking in. I come, come, I need your help. And like, she gets like disconnected and she's like yelling at the, the phone. phone. gets pulled yeah, through the door. And she's like still yelling at the phone. Yeah. yeah. She, within that time frame, like one second, turns around, <laughs> jumps out the window. No, she sees the weird goat thing first. Well, yeah. You definitely get a flash of this ridiculous Jim Henson looking. I think that was before she goes into the bathroom, though. Maybe. Okay. So anyway, she jumps out the window and is running down her front yard, and she's in her driveway. Just called the cops. Just like two, two seconds. seconds. Two seconds ago. She gets into the driveway. The <laughs> cops pull up and say, hey, we triangulated your location. We just threw your call. It's 1989. It's been two seconds, like yeah. maybe a 30 They're seconds. They're already out of the car. She runs into the one cop's yeah. arms. He is getting there because, yes, in 1989, we are triangulating locations through a phone call that happened 30 seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. And that the movie has silly stuff like that throughout, and it just... But it, is uh, it intentionally silly? No. I, that's incredible to me. Like, how do you shoot that scene and not realize she just called the police, and then she runs into their arms? It, <sighs> it makes... No, I, you I can can't easily, imagine. like, fix that by saying, hey, we were driving by, we heard your screams. I that's guess. I mean, pl- you're dubbing it all anyway. That's so. more plausible than like we just triangulated your location in 1989. But how about how quickly the main couple fall in love? Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, he walks into this church. First day. She's up restoring a wall. He says two words to her. She tosses him gum. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice detail. <laughs> It was the fir- his first oh. day on the job, and then, like, by the end of the, uh, like, his first day, they're sleeping together. <laughs> no, they're not sleeping well, together. they're going because to. Because as soon as they were about to, he gets, uh, yeah. he notices a, a clue. Yeah. And just hops right out of bed. Yeah, he. <laughs> and goes right to, he's That's full a, on, like, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's what I've been looking that for. That should have been a sign for, like, man, this is our first night together. He yeah. can't even get his mind off his work. I didn't need to see what happened in the basement of this church. I didn't need to. These... That stuff was fun. Fun? Yeah, like the, the whole, like, cross, <laughs> like, like tomb thing opening it up. And, like... Oh, no, that stuff I meant at the end when it's just a bunch of hooded people oh, around yeah. and, and that whole thing. That was something I can't erase out of my brain. And um, was Satan having sex with her? Is that what was it? Sure, sure. It, it was, was a goaded. It was a goaded demon yeah, creature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. It was. Wow. This movie. I I had so much to say coming into this. <laughs> I really did. I have been waiting a week now to talk about the church. I've texted you several times. I, I think my first reaction I sent to you was oof. Yeah, uh, and I knew where this was going to go. Yeah. Um, and and now sitting here, I can picture the whole movie, and it's like my brain doesn't even know where to begin. Yeah. Jurassic World Dominion, I was able to sit there, and I could rant about that, and I know exactly where to go, where to begin. This one, I I really tried. I tried for you, Clint. I tried to to enjoy this movie, but uh, I the the muddy pile of bodies coming up mm-hmm. out of the church floor before everything at the end that was cool. There were there were some you know inspired visuals here and there. Uh, the bride stuck in the church door. 
Yeah. Um, stuff like that. But uh oof. man, that that dubbing cast. <laughs> I can look past that though. It's just like I don't know. It's I for me it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Tonight, I will watch Bullet Train again. You can watch The Church again, and everything will be okay. Okay. I'd rather watch that than Bullet Train. <laughs> really okay. would. All right. Well, let's see what uh, Cinetron has for us this week. Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, you should definitely check out. Clint and I were both pleasantly surprised by that. Um, Vesper, great little indie sci-fi worth checking out. Blonde, I mean, if you're a masochist, Go you like for sticking it. yourself with pins or something? <laughs> uh, speaking of pins, uh, Hellraiser, the new Hellraiser reboot is up on Hulu. Uh, Clint and I both liked it. We just kind of fell to either side of a line that it's still good, but I was a little disappointed uh, and, and he was uh, pleasantly surprised, I guess. And then the church, if you were like Clint and you enjoy these. Uh, what about Bullet Train? <sighs> Bullet Train. Bullet Train. I love it. Clint does not, but he kind of caught on. The church, Clint loved it. I never caught it. I didn't on. love it. I had fun with it. You had fun with it? Yeah. Okay. I Did recognize you... it's a bad movie, but oh, okay. I I have fun okay. with it. Okay. Had a good time. Yeah. Had a good time. All right. You do you ever You're get very that? defensive, Clint. No, I'm just saying I wasn't this defensive about bullet train. No, I'm just saying that like <laughs> kind of in the room vein where you could yeah, recognize yeah. No, the, I get it. You but you don't ever find that kind of enjoyment yeah. out of a movie. Do you ever get that? I do. I have bullet train. <laughs> Just, yeah, you, legitimate, you like legit, legitimately like that movie, though. Well, but I recognize it's bad. Yeah. I recognize it's not actually a good movie. It just happens to be fun for me. Yeah. Um, but anytime somebody doesn't like it, it doesn't surprise me. Oh. Critics really hated it. Mm. But The Church, man, I'm glad you enjoy this kind of stuff. Uh, what's the one where all the people melt into each other that you made me watch? Uh, uh, society? Society, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, the church, uh, if you enjoy that kind of stuff like Clint does, you'll have a good time. Uh, it just, it never quite works for me. So let's see what Cinetron has for us this week. like history oh clint and are interested yeah. in it i think at one point we had an idea when you don't just say the name of the movie i know what's happening it's just it's going to hurt my soul at one point we were contemplating writing a like graphic novel okay. about this character well he would be half of the characters in that okay but this movie is called tesla oh and <laughs> is this the one with ethan hawk yeah I have from avoided this movie. Uh, from 2020. Like, how does Cinetron always spin up the movies I've been avoiding like the plague? Aeronauts, Tesla. I feel like, I feel like something's happening. It gives you a couple on, uh, that you like I on see. occasion. Occasionally. Occasionally. Not in quite a while. I feel like it's mad at me. Might be. Maybe. 
What did you do to him? I don't know. Tesla. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. This is on Hulu, I think. I think um I think so. Okay. I I watched Aeronauts, so I'll watch Tesla. It's got to be better than Aeronauts. I'll watch Tesla with coils on, man. Let's do this. <laughs> Just, okay. Um, all right. Uh, I think it's time to uh, to maybe reprogram Cinetron to to go out and find uh, some new movies, Clint. You don't know what would that would cause, some, it's, the kind of devastation. It's hurting me. It's, it's hurting me a lot. By the way, did you happen to see the trailer for this movie called Megan? No. I will not be watching this movie, Clint. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a movie called Megan from James Wan. Mm-hmm. And it's about this woman who creates this AI, uh, realistically sized human robot doll. Uh-huh. And horror ensues. I did not like this trailer, Clint. <laughs> I recommend that you watch this trailer, though. I'm on board because uh, you can watch this. I will not. Okay. Uh, but but it's it's watch the trailer and you'll you'll see immediately why I will never watch this movie. I'm but, going to uh, rent it and be like, Ken, it's up there. You got it here. Watch it. We're going to talk about it. You might find it fun or grading. No grading, Clint. Thank you. I'll just make it up. I'll be like, yeah, the effects were good, but it creeped me out. And you'll ask me detailed questions. I'll be like, the effects were good, but it creeped me out. <laughs> Ken, there were no effects in this movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, you can find us at cinebabblecast.com. You can also find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. Uh, drop us a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, or spread the word. Get more people listening to us. As always, send in those questions. We like questions. I... Had a mess of them this week, but didn't uh, didn't get to many of them just because we had so many movies to cover. But we got Halloween coming up, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll have a next... special horror episode. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do that. Yeah. So send in some good horror questions, not just like, what are your top five slashers? Uh, put that on Reddit. <laughs> Uh, give us, give us, give us some good. You really stuff. just hurt Jim's feelings because he was going to send that in. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, Jim, I believe in you, and you can think of you. You can do better, Jim. Hmm. You can do better. He can do better. He's been working on it all night. That's the best he could come up with. But he can do better. I'm just saying. So anyway, uh, shoot us a message. Let us know some maybe fun horror movies uh, to watch because I think we've exhausted everything except the new Halloween movie and not really in a rush to go see that. I'm sure there's a bunch of cool old stuff that we've missed that we should investigate. Maybe we can do that. That might be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, Clint. Well, uh, good luck battling infectious diseases this week. Thank you. Uh, Otherwise, I will see you next episode, and uh, we'll see what we come up with. Okay. Bye, Ken. All right. Bye, Clint. Bye. I almost said bye, Ken. (laughs) Bye, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye, Ken. Bye, Ken. Bye, Ken.